This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph. The only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. On this episode, after a double at Patojic and Mark McNulty find his way back into the Scotland squad, Dundee are playoff bound, but will it be second or third for the Dark Blues? And the Bear tells a tale of goalkeeping glory. Hello, I'm Callum Woodger and welcome to an award-winning edition of Twa Teams One Street. Another award-winning edition. It's the second week that we're going to be sitting dining out on this um, publisher podcast award win. Um, and I'm joined, as ever, by George Cran. Hello, I, d- I didn't realise we'd won another award. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, no, I realised the way that I phrased that sounds like since we lasted the podcast, <laughs> someone else has decided to give us some kind of trophy, but I, it's really not the case. Unless you've wrapped up We're the, just giving ourselves awards now. Yeah, <laughs> unless you've wrapped up the fantasy football by now, then I don't think there's any other awards in the pipeline, so... Oh, I've um, thrown that away, mate, don't worry about that. <laughs> and uh, the bear, Graham Ferenc here as well. Yep, yeah, hello, Callum. We've got one award now, Callum, that's it, the floodgates are open. There'll be, there'll be flood in our way. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> and... Speaking of floods, how's the weather looking there? George is complaining about oh. rain, hitting off his conservative <laughs> roof in Arrow, but Actually, it's looking all right in Dundee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I was thinking about that? I, I, I said last week, you know, it was it was beautiful, and but it was going to be beautiful until Monday, till the pubs opened. Um, and I feel a bit prophetic actually, but <laughs> not pathetic. I'm, I'm not normally, but uh, <laughs> the, the heavens did open on Monday, didn't it? And it was it was. Uh, it was a shame because it was quite a few people that I know who were luckily enough in, in beer gardens um, trying to enjoy themselves in the freezing cold and the and the you know the the, the heavy rain and it's, it continued yesterday and there's been a bit of it again today so let's hope that it starts to dry up pretty soon although I've got to say it didn't stop people enjoying themselves on Monday I've I've heard stories of quite a few uh, inebriated crowds wandering up the Perth Road at five o'clock in the afternoon so <laughs> everybody seems to have had a good time now. That the pubs have finally opened again. I didn't realise you, you caught me walking home that day, Bear. Um, <laughs> there you go. Uh, the good, the good, the good, the good thing about drinking um, out, outside in the rain is if you fancy a shandy, all you have to do is drink half your beer, and then the rain tops it up, and you're you're sorted. So then off um, to buy another nice. drink. Yep. Uh, it's exactly so. Um, ideal, ideal. Um, not a not a, not a great uh, looking day today here in Dundee on a Wednesday, but it was certainly a beautiful Sunday for Dundee United at Pataudry. Um, a three 0 win over Aberdeen saw them into the. Scottish Cup semi-finals, the first time they've been at that stage for six years. Um, Mark McNulty hitting a double and Ryan Edwards getting the other goal there. Um, a, a huge result for, for Dundee United. And, and for you, the best performance of the season from, from Mickey Mellon's men? Um, yes, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, I, I, I don't claim to have seen Dundee United every week. I've seen the highlights mm. of most of their games. I have seen them at length, I would suggest. And far and away, they were absolutely outstanding. On Sunday, um, you know it was it was a a terrific terrific performance. What I will say is when when I looked at the lineups and I had a looked at the the respective lineups at the start, I thought you know what, on paper, Dundee United looked far far better than Aberdeen. Although and we had to temper that by the fact that Aberdeen had done well against Celtic in the midweek and the, you know the and in, in the previous weeks as well they'd, they'd done yeah. fine. So. Um, yeah, I mean, every but unfortunately, when when you put a performance like that, it tends to be it's taken that how you know United were brilliant, but how poor were Aberdeen? That's not, but you you know you've got to say Aberdeen were only poor because United made them look poor. You know, and United were right. Take the first 10, 15 minutes out, but after that, there was only one team winning that that game mm. on Sunday. Um, you look at United at the back. You know, they were, they were solid in defence. Edwards and Reynolds. Never gave the Aberdeen strikers a look in all day. Midfield, they were they were energetic. Fuchs and, and Hearts, especially obviously Butcher holding the line, mm-hmm. and up front their movement and and you know hold up play gave Aberdeen real real problems. And I know probably Aberdeen could could claim that they did they did keep Lawrence Shankland actually a wee bit quiet in terms of attempts on goal. But I mean you've got others like some Nicky Clark bombing around them, and and Mark McNulty probably had his best game for Dundee United. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. United, what a performance it was. It was an absolutely terrific all round performance. And, I've, you know, 3 nothing, 4 or 5 nothing wouldn't have really done them a, a, a disservice hmm. on that performance. They were absolutely outstanding. And fair play to Mickey Mellon. You know, he, he, he rested quite a few boys for the midweek game. And I noticed that Stephen Glass um, made made a point of that, saying, you know, his team ran out of legs. Um, 
and that, that that was a fair comment. But what I will say is, it's not just legs that Aberdeen looks short on at the moment. You know that he's got a few, he's got a, a, a fair rebuilding job to do there over the summer. I was surprised just how sort of weak in certain areas Aberdeen Aberdeen looked. So he's got a big job in his hand. But for Mickey Mellon, well, the season's just just really opened up for them because on that display, on that display, United can definitely go on and win this competition and I'm sure that you know every Dungeon United fan will be thinking exactly the same thing Carl. Yeah it's wide open for them isn't it they've got they've got Hibs um, at Hamden next Saturday in the semi-final the other semi-final is the mighty St Mirren against uh, plucky underdog St Johnston <laughs> um, taking place on a Sunday George um, would you go along with Bear that it's that it's a wide open competition and that United have as, as good a chance as anyone of, of picking up silverware? Aye of course I mean that's as soon as you see Rangers and Celtic getting drawn together at some point in this, this the competition, uh, everyone else kind of sits up and think, "Oh, chance to get to the final without without meeting the the big two. Uh, and then when Rangers suddenly drop out, it's 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 there for anyone. Um, I think they've probably got the toughest of the draw uh, in terms of Hibs. Um, uh, Hibs are a dangerous side with really good players, but United. Should have no fear going in, going into that one, and it's it's Hibs. They've got a long history of uh, Hibsing it in the, in the Scottish it? Cup. So, um, <laughs> it's you, you never know what's going to happen, and being nice and quick as well. Sometimes uh, after you've had a a really good afternoon in the cup at this stage, you then have to wait maybe a month, yeah, three or four weeks before the next stage, and maybe your moment. Why am I trying to say that again? Momentum is uh, has disappeared, but the good thing for United is there's only one game in between, yeah. and they can kind of they're, they're safe for it, obviously, so they can they can just concentrate on that on that one big game. So that's I think that's it's a great opportunity for United. Um, in terms of Aberdeen, Steve Glass saying his team ran out of legs, but I don't know how he can run out of legs after 18 minutes because as soon as United took the lead, that that was it. United were off and, and running. It was their game to take take down the road and take their place in the last four. If you see me running about Baxter Park, I can tell you for sure you can run out of legs after 18 minutes or way before that, mate. Like, <laughs> like, no problem. Um, but no, I, take, I do take your point. Um, one man who has no problem saying the word momentum and getting a bit of momentum himself is uh, Dundee United striker Mark McNulty. Bear, he's got three goals in his last three games after that double lip. At Pataudry, um is is he a potential late shout to get into the Scotland squad, or is that just um, blue sky thinking from me? Oh, uh, there may be, well be a chance. I see that. Uh, I see that uh, uh, Steve Clark's going to get a few extra bodies in there um, in the squad. Yeah, so I think it's twenty six. There, there may be an opportunity, 20. and I don't. I think that I think the striking berths are are, are open. I, I said that about Lauren Shankland earlier on that. If he wanted to get in, you had to start firing, um, and the same will go for anyone. If Mark McNulty, I mean, he was he was brilliant on Sunday. He was brilliant, and he, he was like the Mark McNulty that we saw at Hibs, you know, mm-hmm. about a few seasons back when he just he, he could do no wrong. His movement was great, and then in on goal, first goal. I mean, he made it look simple, but it's just a terrific low strike in the corner, and it's the pace of the ball. He doesn't he doesn't give the keeper as a Gary Wood in in the goal. And earthly, and then the second one again, brilliant setup play from Harks. I think it was an early ball, uh, in behind. He's on to it like a flash. I like good strikers. He, he stays composed, and as, as the keeper comes out and spreads himself, he sticks it right through his legs. Which is, having been a goalkeeper, it's it's the it's the one area that you know you just kind of get to. You just kind of get, and but strikers know that. Strikers are aware that keepers won't come up come come out at them with their legs closed effectively they will sort of get ready to spring one way or another and that's where the gap was and he did it in an instance and and a, a, a fantastic per- performance and he, he's been involved in the Scotland setup before so why not why not and I mean uh, yeah. if he does get in if he does get in you can only imagine it will be good news for Dundee United in the weeks to come because that means that he's, he's actually he's kept his momentum up now and, and gone on and, and got a few more goals yeah it's a, I think he's got a couple of Scotland caps to his name already so but no it's good to see him um performing to the levels we know he can like you say I think earlier in the season he'd, he'd really struggled for goals I think he had three for the whole season up until he scored against Hamilton a couple of weeks ago and now he's he's doubled that tally um, so 
was good for him and, and Ryan Edwards as well. I mean, I, I, we've mentioned it in passing, but what an absolutely thumping header that was. I mean, that was fantastic. I remember I was uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately mm-hmm. not at Pataudry on Sunday, but sitting watching it at home and um, the ball comes in. I think it's Nicky Clark's free kick and you see Edwards rising and you think this is only going one one place. You know, he just absolutely hammers at home um, and he's been doing things like that all season in a, a defensive sense, but it's nice to see him doing it in the opposite box as well and, and, and making himself a threat. We've sort of, we'll, we'll get on to Dundee later, but we've seen Dundee use that to good effect with Lee Ashcroft and Liam Fontaine this season. So it's good to see um, United having some some um, some joy from from set pieces with their, their big men. Um, Mickey Mellon's reaction to the result, um, he, he he was quite quick to, to praise the fans who came out on the Saturday to Tannadice and gave gave the players coach a big send off as they headed headed north <laughs> with with uh, streamers and uh, what you call it flares and flags and all that. Um, it's nice to see those scenes bare, but it's, it just rams home how disappointing it is. I mean, that game, if there ever was to be a game that you want fans there, it's a new firm derby in, in the Scottish Cup quarterfinals, isn't it? Yeah, it would have been it would have been a fantastic route for the Dungeon. I mean, Aberdeen would have would have fallen there, and Dungeon would have taken the, up their full allocation. It would have been a, a packed house at Petaudry, and you can better believe Dungeon fans would have really enjoyed that result and performance, <laughs> yeah. and uh, <laughs> the celebrations would have went on long after the game. I think they've probably started something now by giving them the big send off for the, you know, for the quarterfinals. <laughs> so I bet there'll be a few hundred more at Tarleys when they set off for the. <laughs> For the semi-finals, it'd be rockets and that going up up down Sandyman Street. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's great, and I, I think it's we obviously had an easing of restrictions this week as well, which is which is good to see. So I think finally the bigger picture as well, Calm is you know we're getting closer and closer to to seeing fans back <laughs> at the games, you know, mm-hmm. at the weekend and, and during the week when they're, when they're taking place. But uh, yeah, well done, well done to Dundee United fans for, for because the, the players. I think it was it was acknowledged not only by Mickey Mellon but by the players as well. You know, and it's probably given them a, a lift in the fact that the, the fans were there, but also given a wee reminder. You know, because there's no fans here, doesn't this? We still think you know that, you know we're watching everything you're doing it there. Didn't didn't go up there and, and put in a meek performance. Yeah. Um, so well done to the fans and uh, well done to Dundee. So I think it probably summed up what. The, if the fans have kind of been through over the past few years because obviously scrappling away and trying to get out of the championship for so long it's been a long time since United have had a, a big cup run and I think that that was kind of obviously the fans have had to sit at home all season and not been able to cheer their team on I, th- I think it just kind of showed how much it means to United fans to have their team back in these big games taking on yeah. that teams for, for a place in the last four. Uh, and, and Lee Wilkie actually said in his column this week that he thinks the players that will will have definitely missed the, the kind of positive impact the fans have on their performances. Uh, and that's probably given that wee boost. Um, he, he's no doubt that that, that would have helped um, heading up the road because just that wee reminder of how much it kind of means to United fans from where they've been over the past few years. And, and they're hoping... That this is going to be a regular thing from now on. They're in these big games and, and challenging at the top end of the the competitions. You mentioned rockets going up and down Sandman Street, Bear. I mean, you're definitely, definitely watching me cut about <laughs> Dundee, aren't you? I mean, come on, there's, there's there's no denying it now after those those last few comments. Um, Mickey Mellon also said it's it's magnificent that there's no old firm in the last four. George, um, would you go along with that? It's uh, it, it's good for Scottish football, and of course, clearly, it's a boost as you were saying earlier for the teams remaining. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, how long have we seen Celtic pick up every single trophy? Mm-hmm. It's it's been a long, long, long time. Um, although now St Johnston winning the League Cup and in the the semi final of the Scottish, if they go and win it, we're going to have to start wondering if there's any competition in, in our game. <laughs> that we've got what is it? Instead of duopoly, we'll have a Tripopoly or something I don't know three teams just winning everything <laughs> yeah, I mean that'd, yeah. be, that'd be taking it too far wouldn't it Tripopoly I thought that was the capital of Libya but there you go um, <laughs> I definitely tripped over whatever that word was that I was trying to say um, anyway we, we, we're, uh, we, we've got to get ourselves down off of cloud, cloud nine for a minute and get back to reality Dundee and I do have a <laughs> fixture on Saturday um, they've got Ross <laughs> County at home who cares <laughs> yeah I mean, I mean ultimately I mean you're right though in a way like, like Dundee United <laughs> Do they care? I mean, yeah, they're still fighting for something. They're still pushing for seventh spots. Yeah. Ross County, pole, pole position. Yeah, but but Ross County have got 
loads to play for, don't they? they they'll be going into that one um, firing. Well, there'll be no holding back for them, and that's for sure, Cal. And from Ross County, I mean, John Hughes, he knows his team are, are teetering on, on the brink, but he'll still fancy his chances of getting something on Saturday at Tanner Dyson. It'll be, obviously, Mickey Mellon rested players um, before the before the, the cup tie on Sunday there, but that was because yeah. they were playing a midweek game. I, I think Saturday to Saturday is a different... Players have got much more time to recover, and I don't think they'll make the same amount of changes. He may leave one or two out, um, and, and you know I don't see him. I don't envisage seven guys sitting on on the bench this weekend. I think you know, there'll be, a, you know, it will be a more sort of the United lineup that we've been used to throughout the season taking part, um, mm-hmm. and you could be wanting to keep that continuity going after that performance on on Sunday and that could spell bad news for Ross County because you, you would expect if United turn in anything like that performance it will be good enough to, to get the points mm-hmm. um, so yeah I think I think that's the biggest question Mickey Mellon's or the biggest sort of scrutiny he'll be under what sort of lineup he puts out but I don't envisage too many changes I think yeah there was a lot of like eyebrows raised that he's, he's lined up against Kilmarnock last Wednesday and you know it, it, it's it's proven in the result and the performance at Patojani on on Sunday, the wisdom of that decision and what a good manager Mickey Mellon is. So there should be no qualms about whoever starts and, and lines up for for United at Tannadice on Saturday. Um, I think, like you say, they've got a whole week um, now to after that game to prepare for the the Scottish Cup semi. So this is this is their warm up game essentially. So they they will be going into that um, looking to build up some momentum and confidence. And yeah, I mean Ross County are in the mire, aren't they? I mean they are sitting in the playoff spot, second bottom. I mean we might see. Um, Dundee playing them post-season perhaps um, if things stay as they are um, but but you know John Hughes Kilmarnock are still on their sights aren't they they're only two points ahead so um, they'll be going absolutely all out to make sure that they can they can try and maintain their, their, their premiership status um, elsewhere unfortunately Benjamin Segrist Dundee United's number one has been ruled out for the season with a broken wrist it was an injury he sustained in the warm-up against Forfar in the, the last 16 of the Scottish Cup United have signed um, Celtic goalkeeper Ross Doohan, who's had loan spells at Ayr and in Ross County on an emergency loan until the end of the season to to fight for the number one jersey with with Dennis Mehmet Bear um, with your goalkeepers union hat mm. on here. Um, thoughts on Doohan coming in, and also um, thoughts on Seagrass being being ruled out. Well, I, I think just with just with Big Benji Seagrass, first of all, Callum, I think because of what United did on Sunday at Aberdeen. The whole th- sort of situation around Benjamin Seagrass has seems to have been overlooked, and it's an unbelievable, you know, stroke of bad fortune for for the big man because United look as though they could be well, they're certain, certainly heading to Hamden, we know that, but they could be heading to a Scottish Cup final and and maybe even greater things. Um, yeah. And he's going to miss out, and he's been an integral part of 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 their team throughout the uh, the campaign. So I, you know, I'm, I feel heartfelt sorry for him to to miss out. Uh, on the rest of the, on the rest of the season, um, but he's got he's got a good backup there in, in Dennis Mehmet. He's proved that in the past. And Ross Doohan coming in, I was always impressed with Ross Doohan. I, I, I didn't see him so much at Ross County, but certainly when Air United uh, were facing Dundee, he always did well. He looked composed. And is there a story there? You just wonder. You know, a guy who you know is is, is basically playing reserve football. You just never yeah. know these things. It's sometimes fate. The, the door opens for him at Dundee United. You know, is is he in some way going to play his his part in Dundee United? You know, having maybe another historic season, you just have to wait and see. But he's he's a decent keeper. I like him. Um, but really, really tragedy for Benjamin Segrist. Yeah, we wish Benji a, a speedy recovery, obviously, and hopefully we we get to see him again in a Dundee United jersey. He's got a year left to run his contract, mm-hmm. and obviously he's had a fantastic season. So there's going to be interest in him this summer. We know that. Um, whether he stays at Tannadice or not remains to be seen, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Certainly, Duhans a a capable um, replacement, and obviously Dennis has shown what he's all about. Had a had a very good game against Aberdeen, as much as he wasn't tested so much because Aberdeen were pretty mints. But um, not two good goalkeepers there to to see out the season for for Dundee United. George bear made a wee point there, and I forgot to mention it earlier in the show. But there is this carrot of European football um, hanging in front of Dundee United if they can make the final and even go on and win it. Um, the winners of the Scottish Cup would get into the the playoff round of the Europa League. Um, that's only one stage away from making the group stages of that competition. It's um, it, it's a it's a huge incentive for them. Yeah, it's a wonderful bonus. Um, obviously, the, first and foremost, it's 
it's about trying to win the Scottish Cup. That's and the, and the, the kind of European thing. Uh, I would I would say is at the back of the mind uh, after trying to win a cup. But I think there's also if it, if whoever wins the cup, if they then lose that playoff, I think they've got a place in that the new conference, the new yeah UEFA exactly. conference mm-hmm. league or whatever they've, they've created. So it's certainly going to be European football for whoever wins it. And there's no reason why United can't think it could be them. Obviously, they're, they're going to have to repeat their the kind of levels that they showed against Aberdeen if they're, if they're going to get the, the better of Hibs. They've, they've not had a great record against Hibs this season. Uh, I think uh, they did quite well at Tandice earlier in the season, but Hibs have such kind of strong attackers that that United will have to be right on their game. The defence will certainly have to be on their game uh, and hope that kind of the front line can continue that good form from from Saturday and just talking about the the Ross County game on Saturday it's I agree with Bears it's a kind of balancing act it's keeping the I almost tried to say it there again um, it's keeping that uh, that run going keep the form going uh, of, of playing well but obviously not wanting any injuries whatsoever so it's there's a, a balancing act that the manager has to play um, but so I'll be interested to see what team he plays, but I would I would agree with Bear. I don't think it'll be too far from me from his, his top team that will be playing the week after. Yep, uh, one man who is well versed in playing European football for Dundee United is club legend, I suppose, bit of a hero, um, Brian Welsh. He has recently set up a link with Dundee United through his club, Northern Virginia United. He is the owner and manager of the fourth tier American team. Um, I spoke to him last week, and and it's in our papers. Um, this week with some really interesting ideas about the sharing of players, resources, um, contacts, um, and, and it looks like something that United are going to explore going forward with Northern Virginia as the start of some kind of global feeder network um, of clubs that they can work with and, and use. Bear, um, is this an interesting avenue for us? It's 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 very much sort of uh, a thing of modern football, isn't it? Having these feeder clubs that you work with, but mm-hmm. is it a good thing for for the city and also for for the club to be expanding the horizons like that? Mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be a nice wee pre-season trip for yourself or George Callum. <laughs> that's what, I was, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> and I've got to say, uh, Brian Welsh, he's the owner. I mean, were they called Northern Virginia when he took over? And he's just added United on at the end. I don't know actually. This I... city. I yeah. think they've always been called that, you know that, but <laughs> they've, they've, they've uh, they play aligned Tangerine their badges and, and by stuff. Any chance? They've, yeah. they've actually aligned their badges up to be kind of similar, and there is yeah. a wee Tangerine and Black Flourish to their kit now, but I think uh, their kit's yeah, purple. Yeah, there's but something going on there. Yeah, yeah so, there is something uh, there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> again, United have, have been doing this over the past uh, 18 months or so, and they've been extending their, their, their contact network globally in all sorts of things. You know, they've got the... I mean, I've had obviously links with clubs down south and that, and a few of the younger players have gone down and got a bit of experience. But they've obviously had this, the guy who was doing a bit of scouting from for them as well. Um, so yeah, the, I mean, you can never you can never have too many contacts. You know, it's 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 a great way, especially in this this world that we live in nowadays. And anything that anything that can sort of boost, as well as sort of the player relationship, if you could you get players going one way or another way. But you're increasing your profile, Calm, and as we all know, in in the media industry, that can only be a good thing in in the long term. So yeah, interesting and good to see Brian. He's obviously enjoying himself out there. You know, you, you rightly pointed out that he he was a top player for for Dundee United and played with a lot a lot of top players in his in his time at Tannadice. So uh, he he also got a friendship there with the club straight away. So yeah, hopefully it bears fruit. Raising your profile, do you know what the best way to do that is, George? Winning awards. Winning awards is the only way Absolutely. to boost your profile. That is the best possible way. And guess what? We did that. We did that and we'll do it again. <laughs> um, the shame okay. is we have no idea what we did to win that award. Well, that's the problem. No, I, I'm and, still looking for the answers. Yeah, I've got to say, modesty in, vict- <laughs> modesty in victory is not what we want. Tell everybody about all the awards you've won. And make sure everybody knows about that. That's the way to raise your profile. <laughs> Okay, moving on. Um, another team looking to have success before the end of the season is Dundee. Yes, Dundee strengthened their promotion ambitions with a 2-1 win over Wraith Rovers at Dens Park on Saturday. That took them to within one point of the Kirkcaldy men um, who sit second in the championship. There's one game to go. Can Dundee get that crucial second spot, George? And 
make a push for promotion. <laughs> um, yeah, I think they actually can. Um, I have to get better of my team, obviously, but our season's over. We'll be mm-hmm. celebrating Stephen Dobby Day since it's his <laughs> last game for the club, which may add a wee bit that Dundee maybe particularly didn't want. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. they would have quite preferred it to be quite a quiet day at Palmerston. But with the, with the race hosting Hearts, you, well, you don't know what Hearts team is going to turn up with, with them having already won the league. But judging by their performance on Saturday against Inverness, they, they may well be flying and want to finish on a high note. Uh, the last game in the championship before they head head up to the the top league, but. It's up to Dundee have to win the game basically and then, and then see what happens. If they win the game, they kind of keep their form going into the the playoffs to play uh, Dunfermline if, if, if things don't go the way at Starks Park. Um, and they've shown in recent weeks that they can get the better of Dunfermline. They, they, they drew with them with probably the better team at East End Park just recently and they beat them 3 2 at Dens Park. Um, so. And, and obviously they've, they've gone in a good win against Wraith on Saturday. It was a different sort of win. It was kind of they, they looked to nullify Wraith's uh, Wraith's qualities on the ball and, and took their chances when they came um, and, and kind of kept Wraith at arm, arm's length, which I think showed a different side to them. It, it was kind of it bodes well for the, for the big games to come. They, they can kind of keep keep these teams out, and, and they've got the, obviously got the players at the the top end that they can get the goals uh, that could see them through the playoffs. It's going to be a, a hell of a hard hard trek getting through all those playoff games, whether it's four or six or whatever. But I think they've got the players that can do it and they've got a big enough squad as well to be able to get through as many games as, yeah. as they need to. Just on the game itself, George, um, a really fast start for, for Dundee, you know, just over half an hour. They're 2-0 they're up and it, it's, it's pretty comfortable until, obviously, Benedictus gets a, a goal back at the end and Dylan Tate then gets himself sent off, so it sort of wrapped it up for Dundee, but um, more comfortable than maybe most people thought it would be for, for the Dark Blues. Uh, it was a big game because Wraith have been very good this season and obviously beat Dundee the last time they met uh, down the road. Um, I mean, it, it, wasn't a game, it wasn't a classic by any means. Uh, it wasn't a huge amount of chances, but Dundee took theirs. Um, obviously, the, winning the penalty. Cammy Kerr was excellent on Saturday on the, on playing at left back he, he created he created the the chance that ended ended up with a penalty running down the, the left flank playing a mm-hmm. one-two uh, Paul McGowan is sending the ball in coming inside his shot blocked by Benedict it's his arm um, but no I, I was quite impressed with the way Dundee went about their business because we've not we've not seen a They've not always been the steadiest at teams, Dundee, in terms of holding on to leads and stuff. Thinking back to the Dunfermline horror show that at the ends when they were three 0 up. Um, so, I mean, it, it seems like they're starting to get things together just at the right time at both ends. They're maybe not firing as much from open players as they would like, but they're getting goals from set pieces. Uh, and there's plenty to be positive about at Den's part right? heading into these these final few games yeah Bear there, there's seven games unbeaten in the league um, the momentum's definitely with them um, can they get second and, and does it even matter all that much whether they get second or or, or for you is it still really really important uh, well James McPeak said it I mean seven games unbeaten if you can do that they should be or they, uh, you know they could well be looking at a premiership place next season over the next seven games um, second place is important to me. I think we've seen anybody who's watched the, the playoffs over the last so many years, and unfortunately for other clubs, uh, you know, we've seen our clubs involved in them, and it does tend to be the, the, the team that finishes second gives himself a much better opportunity. And that's that's purely down to the fact I have to play two less fixtures if they're going to get back to the Premier League. Um, it wouldn't be the it wouldn't be the worst result in the world. I mean, it wouldn't if, if they did end up having to go third third fourth. I mean, they would have they would be right into it again next week. And, and, and you know, as long as they're carrying a bit of momentum, I'm a bit concerned that George has said Saturday Stephen Doby day at Palmerston. <laughs> I mean, Stephen Stephen Doby got a couple of really big transfers on the back of performances against Dundee, so that's got me that's filling me with a fear <laughs> a wee bit. Uh, but Dundee, are, but Dundee are in, in good shape. Uh, the game on Saturday against Wraith was was different. George touched on it. Dundee, Dundee's tactically set up differently 
certainly. I think I think James McPeak got his fingers burned a wee bit, or, or his team got their fingers burned at Starts Park. Wraith Rovers are a very good football inside, and what they try to do is they play through mm-hmm. the midfield. They've got one or two really, really top midfielders in there. They've got good movement. They like to play balls into the striker's feet, suck the defenders out and, and play the third man running and, and get balls in behind. But basically what Dundee did on Saturday was they said, right, your back four can have the ball right to the halfway line. And more often than not, what what I ended up with was Kyle Benedictus and Ian Davidson on the ball looking to play passes. Now, Kyle Benedictus yeah. and Ian Davidson are good players. They're, they're good, they're good, strong, physical players. We've seen them at Dens. We know what they can do. But I was I would suggest that passing is isn't their strongest assets. And more than more than not, they were they were they're launching high balls into the, the Dundee back four and you know, Ashcroft and Fontaine are playing at their skin at the moment and Dundee dealt with that. So it was it was a tactically it was a really astute performance from Dundee. They got that mm-hmm. right. Whether they could do that again, if they face Wraith Rovers, I wonder if they do face Wraith again, if James McPake would do the same again. Because I think John McGlynn would try to counter that. Um Mm-hmm. But we'd have to wait and see. In terms of, you know, you I, just hope that Dundee... I, I think Dundee can um, certainly get that second spot. They've got to forget about Wraith against against Hearts. That's the first thing. You've got to go down to uh, Palmerston on Friday and look after yourself. Seeing football, forget about everybody else. Look after yourself first. And winning at Palmerston is never easy, although they have done it again. They have done it sort of earlier in the season, although <laughs> Queen's came to Dens and sorted them out for that one. You know, uh, <laughs> a couple of months ago, um, but no, the onus is on Dundee to get the result. I think you're you're looking at a race. People are saying Hearts haven't got anything to play for. Robbie Nielsen has got something to play for. He needs wins. Nah. He's still under pressure. He's he got the Hearts team the title. Really. No, yeah. exactly. He he wants to finish the season without people sort of sniping at him. So yeah, if Dundee can get the win, I've got a sneaking suspicion it could well be enough. You mentioned the the corner kicks and and, and the set pieces. Um, Bear, you know, it's been a it's been a real source of goals this season for for Dundee and, and George on, on Saturday Liam Fontaine showed his uh, aptitude in those situations. But but the man that was putting it in, Paul McGowan, he he's, he was back in the side and going into this final stretch, his his returns a huge boost for them. Definitely, he's been he's been really good recently. Um, we've kind of spoke about him a few times in this podcast about how he gets sometimes gets written off and then he comes comes back firing, but. Talking to the set pieces, I believe it or not, I'd actually been writing a piece on set pieces just before we come on. You've been podcast. writing, so believe it or not, that's, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, I've been I've done some work, <laughs> done some work today, mate. Uh, but that's Fontaine between the two of them, Fontaine and Ashcroft have got ten goals between them this season. Mm-hmm. Ashcroft yeah. on six, Fontaine on four. Which I was trying to wrap my brains whether Dundee had a previous. Central defensive partnership that have scored that many before. Oh, Oof, just ask Bear on the spot. Can you think of any? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of centre halves who actually scored because there's quite a few never scored any and played ah. 150 games for Dundee. But go and, and sort of looking back, you're like Bobby Mann possibly got a few. Bobby got a few actually from free kicks because you know, he was such a terrific striker of the ball. But before that, mm-hmm. Wilkie got a few and he played. Yeah. Brian Irvin, I remember getting quite a few goals. I think Brian Irvin's one's got about double figures himself. So that would be that would be your first sort right. of, you know, sort of get back in archives and have a look at that. I mean, Brian Irvin obviously is oh, yeah. um, a, a religious character, and he used to he used to put his Bible down before he went up for corners and, and go up and stick the ball in it and pick it up again <laughs> as he went back to the halfway line, you know, before he, and kicked a few players in between. I've got to say, he was that sort of player, but uh, I was a good player, Brian Irvin. But yeah, he got a few goals, but um, now the two. Ashcroft and, and Fontaine are doing well and what, a, what an asset it is for Dundee because ah, you've got the delivery exactly. you've got McGowan on one side you've got Charlie Adam on the other side and you've got two and, and a half you're capable of scoring goals now that doesn't exactly. put the fear of death in defences I don't know what does yeah yeah. I know Ashcroft's been absolutely immense recently obviously it's McGowan to Ashcroft has been a real source for them uh, mm-hmm. but then Adam, Charlie Adam's back in and Fontaine popped up with a really good header uh, on Saturday so once, if the strike, well, Cummings obviously got his penalty, but um, if they can start finding goals from uh, open play as well, which dried up a little lately, uh, although they've been keeping out, keeping them out at the other end. Uh, I mean, nobody will want to face Dundee in a two-legged tie. Yeah, that 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 play um, penalty from from Jason Cummings. Sorry, I mean that 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 could that could be just the, the boost he needs going into the playoffs. So getting that goal as much as it, it's not from open play, exactly, um, it, it'll give him a wee. 
you know, burst of confidence. And he's the kind of guy going into the postseason who has experience of those games with Hibs. Liam Fontaine's another one. Dundee have, have definitely got that in their squad. They've got good character. James McPake called it um, unbreakable desire after the Rafe Rovers game. And I think that's something we've seen um, in Dundee the last kind of couple months or so is a real change in attitude and mentality of it's almost like never say die jaws they just don't know when they're beaten at, at times yeah it's been getting that way I mean you think back to the, the Martin game uh, where Martin probably against the run played scored the goal and probably maybe earlier in the season Dundee wouldn't have been able to find a way back into it the same with the, the Fairland game going letting in two terrible goals so early uh, whether the the team at the start of the season would have been able to find a way through that. And both of those games, it's been Lee Ashcroft that has been the main man. Uh, just that aerial presence has really given the whole team a lift. Um, and also, the, we're talking about the, the two centre-backs scoring goals, but the two of them have been quite steady at the back as well of late. Yeah. Um, I think that's made a big difference, uh, having, having those two there week in, week out. It's that kind of solid partnership that they've been looking for for a long time, Dundee. I don't feel that like over the last couple of seasons they've had two stick-on centre-halves who play well together. But when Ashcroft and Fontaine are both fit, you know, they start and then they walk into most teams in that division. Yeah. You know, even Hearts, albeit a very poor Hearts side, I think they, they would they would quite happily have an Ashcroft or a Fontaine or both in their back four. Um, so, you know, it's, it's terrific assets for, for James and Peck to have. Um, another huge asset for him, as we mentioned, is Charlie Adam. Now, this one actually missed my radar until I was doing uh, the research for, for this podcast. But, George, can you talk me through this supposed fallout that James McPake and Charlie Adam <laughs> didn't have? I mean, it's just, it's, where, where has this appeared from? Um, if such, I'd, I hadn't heard anything. It was, I, I'd, in the pre-match press conference for the... It must have been that Wraith game. And I, I just asked, I asked James McPeak um, something along the lines of it's a great, a great boost to have Charlie back looking like his old self. And it was McPeak that, that brought up, he'd been getting messages that uh, so, so folk had been asking him, well, what's about this uh, fallout you've had with Charlie Adam? And mm-hmm. I think Charlie Adam had maybe had messages as well asking what his fallout with the manager. But I don't think either of them had any clue. What they'd supposedly fallen out over? Um, yeah, was it just because so it was he wasn't playing? One. People were were jumping to conclusions. Essentially, I think so. Um, but there was ev- evidently more kind of going on behind the scenes, not not in a fallen out kind of way, but in terms of the how hard getting over the the COVID had been yeah. for for Charlie, and and then finding his, his kind of sharpness again, and all the other stuff that had been going. On, we've obviously we know about this. Will have been going through his head over the entire season. Um, I think the, ma- the manager was maybe just wanted to take him out a wee bit. Uh, plus, the team had been doing well. Mm-hmm, when Chell Ch- Adam had, had been out, the, the team had been picking up performances, uh, points, and, and results. So, I mean, what do you do? Do you, do you change all the stuff that's been going really well just to get your best player in, or do you just do you kind of keep it? Um, but then I think after Adam's performance up at Inverness, there was no way you couldn't play him against uh, against Wraith on Saturday, and mm, I think he'll yeah, be, yeah. be in the team uh, for the big games to come. Uh, no doubt about that. Yep, Charlie's back. Um, George, what about Jordan Marshall? Is there any hope of him being fit for for playoff football? Uh, it's looking good actually. Um, he's obviously picked up that hamstring problem at Dunfermline a couple of weeks back, but um, he's back. He's been doing some work. Uh, spoke to the manager this morning. He's He's been doing some work this week. Um, Queen's maybe too too early for him, and, and whether they risk yeah. him for that game or, or save him for the, the games that really, really matter. Um, no, I, I think they'll have him back. Although, as I said, Kamikad did really well on Saturday. Man of the match deserved, yeah, yeah. I thought. Um, although there was a bit of dispute, apparently, in, in the stand when they tried to decide who was man of the match. But um, no, he, he looks like... Well, obviously, Cammy's contract's up at the end of the season, and I wouldn't normally bracket him with a player who suddenly turns it on when a a contract is 
of her mm. well, to be decided or whatever. Yeah. But it adds extra fuel to the fire for him, doesn't it? I mean, it's it's going to spur him on to to put, does, to put in he's more. He's a dirty fan. Yeah. I, I can't, you can't say that at any point he's not given more than a hundred or given everything he's got for Dundee. It just so happens, I think. It's coincided. He played quite well at Dunfermline, but I think he was really good on Saturday. If he can give more than 100%, he should bottle it and sell it, because that's an amazing attribute to have. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I almost, almost fell into the trap there, 110%. <laughs> uh, another local boy who's been, been doing well recently is Max Anderson. He's a big talent, we all know that, the young midfielder. You spoke to him this week, George. Um, an exclusive interview. He's his first kind of proper sit-down interview, so I felt sorry for the lad he had to do it with you. But um, how did he come across and... and, and <laughs> Do you feel he's ready for for Premiership football if Dundee can achieve that? I, he, he was great, to be honest. It had been one that I'd, I'd been asking for for a wee while, just because I knew he hadn't done press yet. He's just had such a good season. Um, and he's been, he's been, had a real impact uh, on the team. He's been exactly what they've been missing at certain points of the season. I think, you remember that there was a wee while Dundee had, had made a move for the lad Ewan Henderson on, on loan from Celtic yeah. mm-hmm. to when McGee was out. Well, I, th- I think it's Henderson's form that kind of put that to one side because um, he, he started coming in and he started scoring and that was him him away. Um, but I'd been, so I'd been wanting to speak to him for a while and it just it was just went for the right time really because obviously the club don't want to throw these young players into a, a whole gaggle of journalists and Ten old guys like just standing, staring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the dirty, the dirty press, the demanding answers from from young players and stuff. So it was good to just get him one on one and trying to relax. But he was, he just took it all in his stride, as he's done all season. Um, and he he came up. He, he told well. I just asked him about the season. Then he brought up the going to the Speroni testimonial. Yep. And all that sort of stuff, and how good Charlie Adams been with him. It was just, it was all, it was all Max really. The interview, it was nothing. I just put the words down and stuck it out on the on the, on the internet. So I think he's uh, he's a credit to the the, the kind of youth system they've got. Yeah. I, I, I managed to bump into young Finn Robertson as well at the game on Saturday. Uh, although socially distanced, of course, there wasn't a, an actual. You bump bumped. You uh, bumped with a huge there. gap between you. No. <laughs> I know he's got a bad ankle at the moment, so I didn't want to bump him too hard. Um, they, they've got a good, really good bunch of young players coming through. Not just ability, but attitude is really spot on. Um, and Anderson's been the, the pick of the bunch this season. As a Dundee fan, Bear, have you been impressed with what you've seen of Max Anderson so far? I have. I'm, I'm delighted. I'm delighted every time I see him. Uh, you know, uh, he impresses. He, he's. He's a different type of player to Robertson, and, and it's good because you can't have the midfielders should have different attributes. And, and what Max has got is he he doesn't run across the park; he tends to run up and down the park, from box to box, and he's yeah. not frightened to have a, have, mm-hmm. a, have a pop at goal as, as we've seen. He's got a couple of goals um, so far, so he's done really well in that respect. Considering he's just he's just come into the team, um, and, and his emergence is, is really good for the club and, and, and good for the, the young lads who are, are obviously uh, along with Robertson and the likes of Sam Fisher they can spur, each, spur one another on they're, they're all getting chances here um, but no, I know um, Max Anderson has been the standout this season and and you know what what he's done and he's had to be because if you look at Dundee's midfield it's probably the strongest part of the team you see guys like the Charlie Adam and Paul <laughs> McGowan and Sean Byrne mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. all these sort of guys and you've got the, obviously guys like McDade and the, and the wide men, wide areas as well no McMullen in the wide area. it's difficult to get to get himself a start but it just shows you what James McPake actually thinks of him you know that he's, he's prepared to put him in before some of these some of these guys so yeah good on him and he's also got a good head on his shoulders you'll testify to that George you've spoken to the lad so he knows he's still got a long yeah. way to go. He knows that that he's he's not he's not nearly the finished article yet. But he's got a, he's got a foot in the door. He's got a foot in the door, and if he keeps progressing well, who's to say he can't go on and, and play sort of thirty or forty games for Dundee next season? Yep, from a current Dundee midfielder to a former one in our papers this week, we had an interview with Nicky Lowe, who's who's currently um, so I suppose he's revitalising his career a wee bit on loan at Arbroath from East Stirling, but. Um, it's good to see him back um, playing at a decent level Bear after some injury problems mm-hmm. when he was at Dens Park he, he almost had to quit the game because of them at, at yeah. 27 but he's back playing again yeah I mean I remember the first time I saw Nicky Lowe and he'd, he'd signed Paul Hartley he'd signed to be come from Aberdeen 
and he was highly thought of at Aberdeen, but he, he, he was struggling to get into Aberdeen team, and, and Hartley obviously saw an opportunity and sold Dundee to him and said, look, you've got, you've got a chance here, but I was just, uh, Dundee had just been promoted, and the first game of the season was uh, against Kilmarnock at Rugby Park, and Dundee went down there and absolutely played them off the park and won for nothing. Um, mm. That was a Dundee, a Dundee team that in, included likes of Hemmings and, and Stewart and you know Kevin Thompson, Gary Harkins, Paul McGibbon, obviously in, in the middle of the park. Um, and Nicky Lowe didn't play that day. I, I think he might well for a, a slight injury, but he didn't get a start. It was obviously I, I don't think he was even stripped. And we were coming out, uh, coming out the ground and walking to, to the supporters' buses. And there's this wee guy walking alongside me with Dundee tracksuit on and, and one of my mates went, that's Nicky Lowe, go and get an interview with him. <laughs> so I says, Nicky, he said, hi, he said, I said, I'm going for a walk for, for the telly, how are you doing? So what a we chat going along the road and, you know, he's really, really pleasant, really pleasant guy. And I said, I'm like, you've got your work cut out getting into that Dundee team, by the way, if they keep playing like that, he goes, you're right there. And he did, you had a real job getting in the team. But when he came in, <laughs> you, you saw... You saw just how good a player he was. A really tidy, tidy on the ball. You know, very sort of good at the, the short passes. wasn't frightened to put a tackle on. Similar, similar sort of style to to Finn Robertson. You know, similar sort of type yeah. player for the midfield. Mm. But again, it was you know injuries and that 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 sort of blighted his time at Dens Park. And he's I've, I've watched I haven't watched his career. We, we, you know, sort of all the time, but he's had quite a number of clubs. I think he's been in Ireland for a spell as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was I was, I was was disappointed to hear that he was thinking about giving up the game because he's got a lot to offer, Nicky Lowe. And you know what? I think Dick Campbell could be the ideal person to get out of him. Dick Campbell's that sort of guy and Arbroath are that sort of club that he could he could do a real job for them down there. So it was good to see that he, he, he changed his tack. He's still, he's still quite a young man, 27 I think he is, so... Yeah, no, he's still got a lot to offer the game, so I'm 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 looking forward to seeing him, you know, playing playing for Arbroath in in the coming seasons. Yep, all the best to to Nicky. Hopefully, he can can keep um keep progressing, get 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 maybe what he lost through injury back, and 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 show everyone what a good player he is. Um, one more thing to wrap up before we move on and 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 sort of go over the Scottish Cup stuff again in the final section of the show. Bear, I want to ask you about Billy Dodds. Now, I know this is a contentious issue for for Dark Blues. He was a Hero as a player at Dens Park in the sort of early 1990s, came back as a coach um, amid uh, the 2010 administration and sort of, um, I don't know, left a black mark on his record um, after rejecting a, a CVA, which would have taken the, the Dark Blues out of uh, administration. I spoke to him um, for our papers last week and he sort of tried mm-hmm. to set the record straight on that um, and also talked about his playing days, but for you as an actual Dundee fan, how how would you gauge the mood or the or the sort of um, attitude from from Dundee fans towards Billy Dodds? Yeah, I think I, I think there is uh, a majority, I would say, who, who don't really like him. Um, <laughs> I, I would I would say, I would, That's I would, I would, kindly, I think. Yeah, well, <laughs> I would I would uh, say for myself, I'm in the minority in that respect because. I remember when he when he came to Dens and he'd been a kid at Chelsea and he came up up the road and uh, mm. he was terrific. He was like a breath of fresh air for Dundee and he was for a, for a few seasons. You know, he was he was the guy we looked at to get to get goals, and you could see. I mean, Dundee, but but had been struggling in, in the first division. You know, trying to get up to the, the Premier League, but Billy Dodds was a shining light. You know, in that sort of team and. Uh, but he always knew. He was just a young man. He, he was always going to attract attention from elsewhere. Now, I think, I know that what's happened in the recent past regarding this, the, the administration thing, but before we get to that, I think what irks Dundee fans more than anything, he went across the road. <laughs> not you know, yeah. not straight away, yeah. but he went across the road to Dundee United and he played against Dundee and scored quite a few goals against Dundee. And well, Billy yeah, Dodds, I mean, I'm one of these... He spoke about that. He spoke about that, but yeah. what he said was, as much as, yeah, I scored goals, I never sort of... In his words, I never was one of the boys that gave it all the get up. You sort of thing. I think that was his exact words. Um, no, but, I, well, um, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah. Well, I, what I would suggest is, Ian <laughs> Billy Dodge is like. I mean, I mean, I'm one of these guys. If you're the striker and score goals, I don't care if it's against your old team. You strike. That's what that's what football's all about. If you're a, you get a goal, you celebrate. And I think Billy Dodge did that at that point. I mean, he didn't come across. He celebrated with the Dundee United fans. He never ever, you know, 
would root to Dundee fans at all. But I think a striker who scores, it doesn't matter. You're entitled to celebrate goals. I, I enjoy seeing that. And I think that's what sticks in the in the throat of a lot of Dundee, Dundee fans. He, he did so well for United, you know. Um, and in and, and, and some games, it was against Dundee, unfortunately. When, it, when you go to the, the administration thing, yeah, now, I can see why some Dundee fans are unhappy. He wasn't willing to sign the CVA to, you know, to get the, the sort of the, the voluntary arrangement. I think as creditors' voluntary arrangement signed yeah. off. But I would, you always think you've got to put yourself in the other person's foot. And Billy Dodds had been, had been promised things at Dens Park. Him and Gordon Chisholm, when they came in as you know the management team, and they were let down, let down badly. Now I would suggest to anybody who is in a working environment, who finds that happened to himself, would you be prepared to, you know, give up what you think you're entitled to for a pittance? Now, I know football's football's a different business and, and, um, you know, it's it's, it's sometimes treated differently, but try to put yourself in Billy Dodge's... It's emotional, isn't it? Billy Dodge thought he had a... Billy Dodge thought he had had a contract at Dens and he did have a contract at Dens and he was entitled to expect to get that contract paid up and, and at the end he ended up like like the vast majority of people who lost their jobs that day with nothing um, and and obviously Dundee fans that, that didn't resonate well with a lot of the Dundee fans but I would, I would say I know, I know you know how difficult it is but put yourself in his shoes you know if you never know where your next wage is coming from in football especially football management it's no long term career for the vast majority of people you're in work, you're out work, you're in work, you're out work. But in the meantime, the bills have all still got to be paid, Callum. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So no. I, would, I would just, I would just step back for a bit. As a player, I, I thought he was terrific for Dundee. Yep. No, I think you're right. This never is. I think, I think just to, sorry, just to add, add to that. I think the um, the attitude was maybe shown a couple of years ago when Jim McIntyre was appointed, and obviously he wanted yeah. to bring in. Yeah, he spoke about that as well. Billy Dodds is number two. Yeah, they they worked so well together up at Ross County and he, I think it showed in the end that they're a, a team that worked well together in terms of personalities that seemed to uh, kind of um, complement each other um, and I think Dundee probably missed that but Dundee's uh, board kind of misread the, the feeling I think of the, the fans of they thought oh, the fans, the fans will put up with that, I guess, if if they're going to keep us up. But Dundee fans weren't having it at all, and they ended up uh, not having Billy Dodsett in as assistant manager, even though I think he'd been there the first day and was getting his Dundee kit. Yeah, he said he'd pretty uh, much signed, sealed, and then, delivered, and he was in his tracksuit going down to the training ground, and then it was the, the, yeah. you know he he was the one that sort of pulled the plug on things to say, Do you know what, um, I can't I can't go through with this if it's going to cause so much tension and so much disharmony for a for a club that's trying to fight relegation. Yeah, that, 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 that may well have been the, the way it ended up, but in the end, it, it ended up being a, a kind of big mistake from Dundee then, from the club in, in terms of misreading the, the, the feelings of the fans towards uh, Billy Dodds, because obviously we know how that ended that season. Okay, boys, that was a, a remarkably measured response from both of you, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> um, it's Very um, cheery, wasn't it? <laughs> was uh, It's never... Um, it's never as, these things are never as simple as, as one narrative, you know. That the, the, the old saying's true. There's two sides to every story. So um, it was good to hear from. Let's get Billy Dodge on Billy. the podcast. Yeah, do you know what? Yeah, maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe that would uh, that would. Uh, I don't know how many Dundee listeners would get in right enough, but um, certainly <laughs> moving on moving on to the next uh, section of the podcast. If you're a, a Dundee fan and you've not already turned off, I turn off now because we're going to go on and talk a little bit more about the Scottish Cup and Dundee United. Yes, um, the Scottish Cup last four. It's a mighty lineup, isn't it? It's Hibs, it's St Johnston, it's Dundee United, and of course, it's St Mirren. They're all through. Um, Dundee United through pretty cleanly, three 0 win over over Aberdeen. The other games were all penalty shootout wins. Some some absolutely amazing scenes at the at Ibrox with Xander Clark's goal, uh, which was actually tapped home by Chris Kane. But St Johnston then beating Rangers on penalties. St Mirren and and uh, Kelly having a bit of a ding-dong battle and, and St Mern eventually winning that one on penalties. Hibbs the same against Motherwell. It's all set up for the Callum-Wooder derby in the final. United against St Mern. But yeah, it'll be a repeat of 1987. <laughs> Hoping for the same result. Um, well, uh, from a Dundee fan's perspective, 
it's nicely set up for a Hibs St Mirren final, Callum. All right. Okay, <laughs> okay that so that's that's what we that's what we're looking at. Listen, I know that Dundee fans have just suffered a year of lockdown, but if you need to get to the final and in some shape or form manage to win it, then Dundee fans will be going back into lockdown for a couple of weeks. The curtains will be closed. <laughs> you know, so um we're not going there. Uh, but there's you could throw a you could throw a tablecloth over, no, no a tablecloth, you can throw a napkin over the teams, you know, mm. really, I mean, you, you saw that in the, the, the semis, just how tight they were other than, the, other than United's walkover against Aberdeen. Um, but I, I can see the semis going the same way. You wouldn't be surprised to see extra time and penalty kicks in the in the semi-finals as well, because it's, it just depends what happens on the day, really, doesn't it? I mean, it, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I watched the, I mean, you're a St. Martin fan, Callum, but I watched the game against Kilmarnock and well, the ref, the, I've, I've got to say the referees made a, I think a bit of a, a wrong call for <laughs> the Kilmarnock penalty in extra time but he certainly made a wrong call for the St Mern penalty but it was an opportunity <laughs> oh, no, to come on definitely it was an opportunity to even things up what, what I will say the, is the St Mern penalty, the the penalty was yeah. a, much more a penalty than the Kilmarnock one was yeah. anyway well, carry on okay Two rights don't make a wrong. Okay, right? Or two wrongs don't make a right. Anyway, um, I think that uh, I think uh, yeah, I'm getting mixed up. I think that the, the St. Mirren were probably the better team on the night. I mean, Tommy Wright was was saying that his mob Kelly were better, but I, I don't think so. But when it gets to the last minute, I mean, unluckily for for Kelly, the guy had to go off injured and never had any more subbies to put on. But when it gets to the last minute, if that ball's coming into the box. I think a more experienced defender lashes it away into the stand and then has a go to his keeper for no getting out quickly enough. Don't give the referee a decision to make and that's what they did. And, uh, you know, the referee made the decision and the, and, and the rest history, shall we say, for Kilmarnock. That was the end of the road for them. Yeah, uh, it was an exciting... But no, exciting I'm, expect- I, I'm, expect- I'm expecting the semi-finals to be tight affairs and, yes, yeah, it's, it's refreshing. Refreshing that the, the, there's no for them. It's very... Again, it's it's another one of these ones. It's, it's really strange. That, that's the League Cup and the Scottish Cup, you know. Without, without uh, you know, a, a Celtic or a Rangers, especially a, a Celtic, because they've they've been in every cup final for the past four years, almost yeah. sort of thing. So, but it's refreshing and it's a great it's opportunity for. Yeah, I mean, yeah. any of the teams that are left in, and they'll all be eyeing it the same way. I've, I've, whoever go, whoever doesn't, the three teams that don't win it, will go. That's a great opportunity, must. I'll be really disappointed if St Johnston don't play Xander uh, Clark up top. I'm telling you, St Martin should be playing Joe Shaughnessy up front um, as well because that really turned the game for us <laughs> yeah. um, on Monday yeah, night. He went up and, and made, a, made a huge difference, I have to say. But um, was that the St Johnston Rangers game, George? Was that the pick of the bunch for you in, in, in terms of the drama of it anyway and the storyline? It was just bonkers Scottish football at its finest, wasn't it? I guess so. I mean, I don't have Premier Sports, so I didn't watch it. So <laughs> Right, okay. Um, <laughs> I've watched the other ones that were on the Beeb. But, right, um, thank you, everyone. Goodbye. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. <laughs> I couldn't believe it when I saw it on, on my phone. I, I wasn't surprised when I saw the score on the phone was nil-nil going into the second half of extra time but I was amazed when I looked at the scoreline and one each at the end and the goal scorer was Xander Clark <laughs> uh, I thought that the boy who'd done the starts had messed that one up big time yeah um, well it turns out he did I suppose I have to feel sorry for poor Chris Keane because yeah. he'll never get remembered for that goal that's probably the biggest goal he ever score the celebrations were absolutely the celebrations were brilliant as well because like, everyone's running away with Xander Clark to celebrate and Chris Kane's behind him like I scored I scored and everyone's like shut, shut it no you didn't <laughs> Xander scored and everyone's just celebrating my I know. <laughs> no I know even though everyone knows he scored they, they don't care it's all no. about the keeper exactly. um, spectacularly bad uh, defending from Rangers it must oh. be said but, honking I mean uh, how, do, how do you spot the 6 foot 5 goalie with a massive beard and fluorescent strip <laughs> Madness. Ever uh, find yourself in the opposition box like that, Bear, in your in your junior career? Yeah, I did. Um, and I think we mentioned it on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, Carl. I know I've forgotten that. all about it, but it was against Genefield Swiss. <laughs> and uh, I scored uh, a late goal, a cup tie, obviously, 3-2 down. Went up went up for a corner. Never got anywhere near the corner at all. I was being marked. I jumped well under it. The ball went away across to the back post. And actually, actually, I'd gone out for a throw-in, but but to the club I was playing for, North End, and I went and sort of started trooping back towards the our own goal, um, 
And then I thought, oh, you know what, I'll, I'll go back in, this throw might end up in the box. So I started going back into the box and the throw, a long throw was taken and I'm coming in at the back post and this this ball bounces at the front post, bounces over the top of everyone. And here I find myself sneaking in at the back <laughs> post thinking, Jeez, peeps, I'm going to wait get a chance to put this in the net. And lo and behold, it, it fell at my feet about a yard out at the back post and I gave it one almighty welly and it went up, hit the underside of the bar and came down across the line. And... Uh, <laughs> we went through on penalties, believe it or not. So that was my claim of fame. But I wasn't a straight from a corner. So there you go. It's a wee bit different from Xander's. Um, yep. And I know quite as important as Xander's, I've got to say as well. Um, so well well done to him. How he managed to sneak into the Rangers box, I'll never know. But there you go. Yep. Um, well, that's, uh, that's about all we've got time for this week. But we've got um, a lot of big games to look forward to this weekend in terms of league action for, for both city teams. And obviously the, the Scottish Cup semi-finals coming up um, next week are, are huge. So, so do... Tune in again next week to hear these three dafties talk all about it. Goodbye. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the telly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice or... Go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs>